Welcome back to the number one self-exploration podcast in the world. I'm your host, Lord Milan, and as always, if you don't think life is weird, then you're not paying attention. This is my life at a weird angle. Awesome. So, this is uh, officially an international conversation because it's morning in uh, Michigan and it is afternoon in France. Yes. And we are here with a colleague and, dare I say, an awesome lady. <laughs> oh, thank you. Valerie Shepard, who is one of the most genuine people that I've met in the last um, year and a half. And, you know, your extraordinary book, I can't help but hear your voice and your your soft demeanor when when I read it, which is fantastic, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm grateful to hear that. Yes, that's a, I, I reading through it, you know, just when I first got it, especially, you know, you, you get a book and let's, let's be honest, it, it's pretty sizable, your book. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of information. And uh, when I first got it, I remember just flipping through to different pages, especially, you know, looking at some of the graphics that you put in and just reminding me of so many, you know, years and maybe even centuries of, of information that you've compiled in such a really digestible way. Which, which make it, you know, you know, first and foremost, just doable. Thank you. Yes, that was part of my mission was to sort of um, coalesce and distill some beautiful teachings that uh, can be really accessible and practical and actionable in today's world to create more peace, love, joy, and freedom. Uh, things that I wish I had been taught at a much younger age. And so the book was a, a way for me to do that and and provide it to the masses, so to speak. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's I, I love that you said accessible because, you know, I, I joke with my wife that there's never been a better time in history to have problems because... You know, information is just so much more accessible. And, you know, you and I are, are literally in two different countries right now, but we can still have a, a really good conversation that not only impacts us, but everybody that's going to be listening to the podcast. And it's it just speaks to the the connectiveness of the time that we live in. It's, it really does. And um, to be able to kind of tap into wisdom that is coming through magnificent beings all over the world as access points is really a rich part of, or it can be a rich part of today's life, especially when one's um, committed to living at a higher vibration and transforming themselves as a part of transforming the world. Absolutely. So we were talking earlier about, you know, life is sometimes at a weird angle. You know, it gets it gets at a weird angle for for all of us because we're all doing this for the first time. And um, could you share some of your your early instances where you started to notice that hey, things aren't necessarily going smoothly? But how can I capitalize on this? That that is such a dynamic question of like when life throws you curveball, or um, as people would say, when life gives you a lemons make lemonade and i think that's really interesting advice except if you like orange juice and <laughs> um 
for me, that's kind of how it's been most of my life. I've kind of felt like the platitudes and the sort of this is how you do life, they haven't really worked for me. I really felt like part of my purpose was to notice these things and then to be able to get on the path that I'm on right now. And so there have been many times in my life from elementary school, um, interestingly enough, I was a, a Marine Corps brat. We moved quite a bit, almost every 16 to 18 months. There's one remarkable year when I think I went to three different elementary schools. And talk about life setting you up to learn some things about yourself, about others, about the way the world works. That's certainly one of them, to constantly be leaving, being uprooted, not by your own choice, um, kind of you've got a responsibility with the family. My dad was overseas and uh, sometimes in Vietnam. Um, and um, as a young girl, to feel that separation from the things that I was learning to hold dear, like friends and neighborhoods and the dog next door, um, to all of a sudden being the new kid being introduced in the middle of the school term and somewhat ostracized and somewhat sort of uh, weirdly embraced. That was one place. So I built a lot of resilience and I learned uh, to not care so much. I, I, I always cared, but to not care so much maybe about sitting at the popular kids table for lunch, um, learning my way to walk home from school on my own, learning ways to get away from bullies uh, when I needed to do that. So, you know, that whole military upbringing taught me a lot and a lot of things that I leveraged later in life being, you know, the new kid or new at something. And then there were, there were later times when I'm the captain of a, uh, a, a sports team or a cheerleading squad and learning about leadership and learning kind of what good leadership is and, and learning that from some of the thing mistakes I made with not so great leadership. And there's a difference between position power and referent power. And you can use position power and, and just push people into doing things. It doesn't always work over the long term. And so that that was a big those episodes in my teen years were 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 big teachers for me. Um it being in different environments where I was most typically one of either the only or one of a very small handful of black students in various environments and trying, although I don't feel like I succeeded at this when I was younger, trying to feel comfortable in my own skin. And even though it didn't seem like other people were comfortable with me and my skin, and trying to do the belonging game, um, which in those circumstances for me meant um, sort of, um, it, it wasn't people pleasing, I don't think. I don't think I, I was, because I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, so it wasn't, say again? No, I just chuckled a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I was kind of like, whatever. I don't really care that much, but I know that there were some deep places where I did want to belong more and I did want people to like me for me. 
but I felt like I was trying to be them in certain ways. So maybe talk like them, like the music they liked, um, different ways to get along. So that, I guess that does fall under the heading of people pleasing, um, ways of getting along. So that was in my first, I guess, levels of understanding of racial bias, racial difference, separation between neighborhoods and cultures and, and things like this. And I'm a child of the 60s. So this is, it was some deep stuff in the 60s and 70s when I was in school. Um, and um, the whole idea of relationships, like with romantic ones, learning who I was and um, how much I was willing to do the um, whatever I had to do to keep a relationship going and not always being true to myself and my needs and my expectations and my values and learning all of that. Like each one of those different episodes um, contributed to where I am now in terms of what's really important to me and what I'm willing to do to have it. It's amazing how, you know, and I like that you use the word leverage because, you know, at a time, you know, it, it may have just seemed, you know, awkward at best or, you know, even dangerous or, you know, just, uh, just uncomfortable. But I think, you know, holding on to those moments and being able to leverage them later on in life and really self-identify as you went along, because I think sometimes unideal circumstances or situations can really give us the clarity we need in the way that it lets us know what we don't want or who we don't want to be or the things that we don't want to have or do or, or just be around or experience in our lives. And, and it can give us that clarity of things to avoid later on. And one of the things that I heard from the Ed Milet and listening to his podcast is we're so much more well-equipped to help the people we used to be, you know? So like all those many instances that, that you've experienced and, and that I've experienced in my life leading up to this point, it really gives us a lot more clarity and a lot more of a higher perspective, I think, from a lot of different situations that, that all people go through it in some facet. And for us, you know, coming out on the other side of really, you know, choosing to elevate, you know, and, and like you say, you know, connect with the higher vibration and really not rely so much on the outer circumstance to, to give us what we need or what we want, but looking within to, you know, provide that aspect and, and that comfort and that peace within ourselves so that essentially we, we just end up becoming more powerful than our circumstances. And, you know, it, it's information like that. I think that helps everyone because we all get into tricky situations and it's, you know, I, I say, and I, I said it on a podcast the other day that you can have my benefits without my scars. And I think that that's one thing that you're giving people with your book and with, you know, even with this podcast, telling your story is they're able to benefit from your insights without having to go through everything that you went through, which I think is so powerful. Yes, I, I really love that and like to make it easier for people. And, and it's, it, you know, the book's not right for everyone. It's not, I'm not trying to talk to people who aren't ready to make some of the, the questions uh, something that they dance with on a continual basis. But for those who are really like, mm, I think there's more to life than what I've been told or, or the way I've been living it. And I'd like an opportunity to play with that. I'd like an opportunity to go into that space. Um, I feel like I created the book to give them uh, some means to do that. And the book, 
has led to what came after. So the book is the foundation for a college level curriculum course on self-mastery called Living Happy to Be Me. It's actually um, Living 101, Being Happy and Whole. And then the advanced course, Living 102, Happy and Whole Practicum. It's given way to some things that I do online, the self-mastery challenge and some other ways that people can dabble in this whole question of who am I, what am I, and how does the world work, and how do I leverage that so that I can have everything I want and not much of that stuff I don't want, except as a pathway to everything that I want. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's, you know, it, it can become a pathway, you know, not everything has to be ideal. And, and I tell my kids that, you know, difficult is not a good enough reason to quit. You know, if, if there has to be more than just, oh, it's hard or, or it's uncomfortable, it has to be more than that, that you, you know, you pivot because sometimes difficult and, and uncomfortable is the way. And especially if that, can get you, you know, to your goal faster. Um, how has, you know, your, your upbringing with, with traveling with the military and, and, you know, moving into higher ed, how has that helped you to make uh, better decisions for yourself? The better decisions part comes a lot from retrospective analysis, right? Like to, to really get into the place of, so this is not the first time this has happened. It's what I call Lord, this idea of noticing what you notice about yourself doing your life. So we have to come up, like lift our heads and our hearts above just getting it done. And we're, especially in the Western world, we're so focused on get it done, get it done, like write down your goals. We have like amazing podcasts and books and all kinds of things on how to set a goal. And it's like, well, maybe some of our goals just need to go out the window and how how many of the goals that we set have to do with learning more about who we are and how we do life where's my decision making process for myself and does it really serve me or does it actually end up with me abandoning myself because the criteria that i'm using with which to make those decisions are actually based on something else other than me my deepest desires what I really believe I'm here for. And so noticing like, um, in the, in the self mastery that I teach, there are three pillars. The first one is self-awareness. Second one is self-acceptance. And the third one is self-love and self-awareness is, um, is the foundation. And when I talk to people about self-awareness, they think they're very aware. I've rarely met people who say, oh no, I don't, I'm not self-aware at all. Most people think they're good at it until we have a deeper conversation. And it's very much beyond the self-awareness that I'm talking about is, mu is very much beyond the, the um, sort of societal engagement level. So it's beyond your personality and your um, sort of uh, identity. I'm a mom or I'm a really good soccer player. It's beyond your title and it's beyond your credentials. The self-awareness that I'm talking about is I have reactions when people do this. I don't feel comfortable around this kind of people or in this kind of circumstance. I've noticed that the last couple times that this has come up, I've had a major 
reaction to it. Where is that coming from? What in me triggers me? How come this situation makes me blah, blah, blah? Like that's the kind of awareness I'm talking about. You know, for example, yeah, I, God, I think that type of awareness serves us the most when, you know, cause even with the, with day one mindset as well, you know, one of the first things that I get them to do is just simply listen to your own thoughts for a couple of days and see what thoughts come up when you're alone, when you're with people, when you're at work, when you're in traffic and, you know, like you, like you suggest, you know, just paying up more attention to you. And it's amazing what comes up and what people realize, because I think, you know, a lot of our habits and, you know, that's what we talk about in, um, you know, quantum physics and, and basically mindset power is, you know, your, your brain is basically habitual and a lot of what you do is habitual and taking the time to really notice yourself. For me, it's given me such a, a leg up on the circumstances to be able to, like we talked about before, respond and not react and really make a lot more purposeful decisions in a lot faster time. Indeed. And to, to not just make the decision in a more efficient manner, but to actually benefit from the decisions I'm making and to kind of enjoy the process, enjoy the, like watching myself. I'm, I'm really, I'm really at this level of enjoying experiencing me being me. And that's not from an egoic perspective of being full of myself. It's just, wow, I like how peaceful I was when I dealt with that really difficult situation. I like how I'm getting much more comfortable with the fact that this is completely outside of my control. I'm getting much more peaceful as I notice the things that I really don't like in my life or in my community, and then make decisions about how I can affect a positive change. Like, like that kind of thing starts to be so cool and it feeds on itself. It's like, well, I, w I wonder what more I can do. Like how much deeper can I go? How much higher into my higher consciousness can I express myself on a day-to-day -day basis? Absolutely. And it's one thing that, you know, I, I talk about too with, with myself and with others is it's, it's important to live your life, but it's also important to observe your life. And I think that's what you're talking about is just the constant real-time observation. And sometimes it's in hindsight because, you know, things make a lot more sense when you're, when you're backtracking a bit mm -hmm. and, you know, you can get so much more clarity so that, you know, when the new situation arises, you're like, oh, well, I know exactly what to do, mm -hmm. you know? And it, I'm always saying that, you know, the more you pay attention, the more options that you give yourself. And one of the things that's really served me is, is when I started to look at my life as not just, you know, my heart beating, my, my, my breath pumping in and out, but my, that I'm telling a story. You know, my thoughts, words, and actions are telling a story. And it, you know, with that in mind, I can only, I can easily say, well, you know, chapter four sucked, you know, and chapter five, I don't know, it was a little sketchy, mm -hmm. you know, but now I'm on chapter nine and, and I've learned from it and I'm constantly turning the page. And for me, it, it's the difference between being a researcher and being a writer, you know, with, with being a researcher with your life, you're just concerned with the facts. It's raining. You know, my, my partner left me, 
um, you know, I hate my job and, you know, I have $37 in the bank. But a writer says, well, and, you know, and I have access to this person and, and I, um, you know, am able to, to listen to the music that I like because my partner didn't like it and I can blast it as loud as I want. And, you know, I get to do this and I love my awesome umbrella, you know, and constantly turning the page and, and being a real active player in your life. And that's, that's really given me a lot of, uh, power, I think, but also it's, it's let me to, to maintain my joy, not just to, to wait for some outside circumstance to give it to me. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Like to really, to really be clear where joy comes from it, that it's, not some external circumstantial dynamic. That's more like fleeting excitement. I talk about this in my book. I always was chasing after the next cool thing and the next fun, you know, let's go on this trip. And I was planning New Year's Eve parties and always had a big birthday party for myself. And it was because those experiences were where I tapped into happiness, but they were fleeting. And, and over time it became few and far between. And over time, it also became how many more birthday parties are really going to be the thing. And um, to be able to tap into an internal um, reservoir that has always been there and will always be there is the opportunity inside a deeper understanding of the cell. A deeper a deeper understanding of the self, a deeper connection to the self through this noticing yourself being you in your life so that you can use that self-awareness to take you to a new level of the things that you really want and less of the things that you don't. Right. And, and, I, and I think those things end up becoming a lot more authentic as well. You know, like you said before, it's not from the ego standpoint of like, you know, what can I get from this situation? It's more so of what serves me, what right. serves me and what serves my my goals and the things that really excite me. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that the Bible is a real practical manual because it gives us a lot of these heads up about, you know, what to look out for. And, and one of the things it does advise is or let us know is that, you know, trouble and difficulty are just built in, you know, so they're not things that, that have to derail you. And, you know, having faith in yourself and, and it, it's worth it to notice yourself. And it talks about the constant renewal of your mind and that you can't think the same way about the same thing for forever. You know, just like that coat that you loved when you were five, you can't wear it when you're 35. It's just not just not going to fit. Right. And a lot of the things that you touched on when you sent that video for our renewal program, so many people were responding like, well, duh. You know, when you say it that way, like, of course, and giving people, you know, that, that clarity and almost permission in a way to, to think the way that they want to think and to think that they, the way that they choose. And, you know, something that I've noticed, and I'm sure you've, you've noticed it in your research and just, and just being and paying attention is that, you know, a lot of the things that were, that we think were things that we were just given, you know, from our environment, from our society, from what was going on around us. And really relating to the world through other people's lenses. And it wasn't until after my injury that I started to relate to the world through my own lens for the first time. Yeah. And for me, it allowed me to, because I, I realized that a lot of my motivations and things like that 
it's because my voice was not the loudest voice in my head. Other people's voices were the loudest voice in my head. And that was dictating what I, I felt was even okay or even acceptable. But it wasn't until after the injury that I thought to myself, well, you know, I can't hide this wheelchair. You know, there's a lot of things that you can hide when you're going through something, but you can't hide a wheelchair. It's pretty obvious. And I realized that, well, if I can't hide this, then I'm not going to hide anything else. And all the things, all the desires that I feel God gave me and put in me to to nurture, I just started to nurture them one by one. And it's it's amazing the doors that open that you talked about before in our last conversation, that those doors kept opening and and newness kept happening. And I think that's the way that us as as humans can really embrace constant growth and progress. I mean, it happens naturally in, in nature. You know, trees aren't thinking, well, I don't want to lose my leaves this this fall. I'm just going to keep them. You know, no, they just go along with the natural process of releasing. But for us, it, it has to be a purposeful choice for it to be worthwhile. I so, yes, resonate with what you're saying. And I do love the idea that um, one of the things that can happen when you read a resource or uh, see a speaker or like change up your routine around where you get information and how you get information is you can hear something and go, well, of course, that's a no brainer. Um, and what's happening is it's, it's like when the, the quote, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And mm. a lot of people think the teacher's outside of them. And I believe that the teacher's inside of us. It's our, it's our higher consciousness. It's our higher self. It's our ancestral, um, uh, remnants in our DNA. And when that stuff gets activated, so I talk with my clients and students about activations. How do we activate this wisdom that's already residing in your bones? And so that, I you, love that. so that you can actually access it more and breathe it, live it, walk it, embody it. And embodiment is the key. It's not about how much you know in your head and it's not about reciting scripture and it's not about talking about the number of credentials we have and, and what we know on a mental intellectual basis. It's about how much of that gets turned into boots on the ground, action for oneself day in and day out. And sometimes what seems completely mundane and like, oh, I already know that it's, it's only at a, at a certain level that we know it. And I'm always awakening to things that I think I'm embodying. And then, like you said, when I get behind, get into a kind of, let's look over my shoulder and see what I really did. I find out not so much and that there's an opportunity to stand firmer, like the tree dropping its leaves and allow myself to go through the process anew and to hear the inner voice that heard that phrase for the 103rd time and it just dropped in at the deepest level. And I, I, I know that I have been focused, I talk about this a couple of different places where I talk about impatience and um, impatience to get somewhere and impatience to be finished with the project and impatience to kind of mark things. I'm really big into lists and impatience about checking the things off of my list and what I realize in that, um, in my impatience, is that there's a, 
a place where I'm not allowing things to drop in and really unfold and uh, germinate and really connect to that deepest part of me that was waiting for that seed to come in so that it could actually embrace and acknowledge and activate and then express that that teaching at the highest levels possible. And one of my favorite quotes is by a person named Seneca, and it is, as long as you live, keep learning how to live. It's a quote that is in my email signature, and I use it a lot. And the point is, I think when we can get to the space of never feeling like we're done, like not from a, a place of lack and limitation, like I'll never get this done and I'm not good enough and why can't I figure it? Not from that place, from the place of, ooh, what more is possible today? Like how can I be even more loving to myself today? How can I be even at a deeper level understanding myself? How could I serve myself by knowing one more thing that makes me tick and maybe by getting rid of some of the things that I think make me tick, but actually don't serve me at all. And that to me is the beauty inside taking self-awareness to the next level and having it actually deliver me to a destination. I wholeheartedly agree. And I love that you said, you know, with your students and with your teaching is, is what are the things that can activate those aspects? What are the situations and the conversations and the and the habits that can activate more of me within myself? And I think it's, you know, it, it also speaks to a bit of just personal curiosity of things don't have to be this way. And even if they are this way, you know, what does that mean for me? And, you know, making it practical, because I think a lot of people, you know, they, they default to that place of, oh, I know, oh, I know, oh, I know, oh, I know. And what I heard from a, a neuropsychologist is that when your default response is, I know, that actually close, closes off your, your curiosity in your brain to keep following up with more information in that area. Because like to say, I know really says like, ah, well, I don't need to know anymore. Yep. Uh, but I think there's, like you said, you know, there's, there's never really a moment where you're done. You know, it's not like you press three minutes in the microwave and then like beep, beep. Okay. Everything's fine now. Yeah. It's, it's a continual practicum in, uh, that's something that I didn't realize when I was growing up. And I'm sure, you know, most kids and, and young people don't of that. There's never really a moment of done, you know, and I assumed that there was when I was a, a kid, you know, my parents knew everything that I asked them and, you know, they, they knew how to do so many things and live and work and drive cars and, you know, travel and, you know, pay bills and all this stuff. And I, I, I thought that was life. You know, you get to this place where you just know how to live your life, but it's really not a, a, an end moment. And for me, it's, you know, I turned 40 at the end of uh, August and just, you know, you can't help but be reflective of, of, you know, where you've been and where you're going and whatnot. And just to, to realize that I don't feel done at all. You know, I'm, I'm still on the pursuit. And I think when you, that expression, you know, uh, trust the process and, and, and love the journey. I think it's about trusting yourself and loving yourself more and more as you move, because every action, every thought, every situation 
sparks a new idea in your head. And that gives you, you know, just a little bit higher of a mountain to stand on in order to make decisions. Yes, indeed. Yes. And I, I love that thing of, I, I never thought of it this way. And I love the way you said, you know, when we're younger, our parents know everything, every question they've got an answer. We don't, we don't know then what we know maybe when we're older, which is they didn't really know. In some cases they were making it as they were going along, but we still had, and, and more power to them. I'm not trying to denigrate parents. Parents do the best that they can, even in horrible circumstances. Sometimes it's not the best that we need, but anyway, um, take away this idea that they know everything and there are heroes and, you know, we can't live without them. And we get this idea that there is a point, you know, when I get married or uh, when I retire or when I reach a certain age or I get a certain credential that then I'm done. I've hit the, I'm, I'm baked. I've got it all set. And now I just go live my life with what I've kind of picked up from then till now and I'll be all set. I've, I've got all the stuff I need and now I just go act on that stuff. And, you know, the dynamic, uh, it doesn't work partly because that's not all life is. And the second part of it is because everything on the outside world is changing. So you can't just be who you were yesterday and make that work for the next 30 years because everything that you need to interact with, that you need to um, be a part of is different than it was yesterday. And what you might have gleaned or been trained or completely like in-depth understanding of through credentials and degrees and stuff is no longer relevant. It's no longer pertinent and it's not going to serve you tomorrow and certainly day after tomorrow ad nauseum the way it has up till now. Right. And it's, it's just that. And, and I like that you, you talked about in that video that you submitted for our event is that, you know, choosing to not look at things as, as bad or, or even good of, of what you've experienced necessarily, but looking at it more so, does this serve me now kind of thing? And being able to, to make those adjustments because, you know, things change all the time. And I think it, it is, uh, it helps our progression when we choose to do that of even within our own wardrobe of, you know, do I even wear this shirt? You know, it's, it's been in my closet for two and a half years. I haven't put it on once. And, you know, ridding ourselves of those things and releasing things that no longer serve us, you know, whether that's people, places, or things, and, you know, allowing that space to be filled with with even more things, you know, things that do serve you now and, and can progress, uh, you know, where you are and, and your goals and whatnot. And for me, it, it's been very cleansing. Uh, and it's amazing what small physical changes, you know, something as simple as, as making your bed can give you such mental clarity yep. and the connection that you have with your environment. You know, we're all a product of our environment in some way because, you know, it reminds me too of, of, you know, our body itself is pretty porous. You know, you, you put lotion on it, it goes into your skin. You, you drink water, it goes throughout your body. And just like, you know, we're constantly abs absorbing the things that are around us and the things that we give ourselves, um, especially the way that we speak about ourselves. And, you know, I just love that you're, you're, you've given yourself the grace to be an imperfect person 
while you're constantly, you know, progressing to to greater and greater heights. Yes, indeed. And I just want to address that, um, the idea of imperfect, because I always bristle when I hear, you know, well, we're not perfect. And my point of view is a slightly different one, which is we're all perfect. And it's not the human egoic level of perfectionism, which is actually trying to reach a standard because we don't think we're enough. So that is driven by lack and limitation, which is not true. The, the ideas of lack and limitation are not true underneath the teachings that I study and teach. So from the idea of perfection is, well, if I'm made in the image and likeness of an, an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient being, how could I not be perfect? And the perfection of the divine is available to us and accessible to us all around us. I mean, just look at the perfection in nature. And when we um, really rise to the level of being one with all that is, like oneness with all that is, that means perfection anywhere is also perfection in me. And so I don't even say I'm perfectly imperfect. I just say when I'm living at the highest level, at my my highest vibration connected to the the divine, um, eternal, immortal self that I am, I can't be anything but perfect. That is the definition of who and what I am. And when we connect to that from the spiritual plane, you know, as an integrated spiritual human, I'm here in the third dimension, but I'm not of the third dimension. I'm much more than that. This is where superhuman powers come from, dancing with miracles and magic and grace. Like those things are not human inventions. Those things exist in the multiverse already from the creator. They're a part of us. And so accessing them, um, dancing at the level where those are, are available through law of attraction, law of reflection, law of karma, cycle of reciprocity, like all of those things are available to us when we are able to elevate our consciousness and get a vantage point that includes the perfect nature that we always already are. No matter what it looks like to my human self on the third dimension, in the third dimension, it's not 100% true. It's an appearance that is very much driven by connection to the third dimension. Absolutely. And as, as you know, complicated as that may sound for some people, it's actually a pretty simple um, process. But what is something, what are one or two, you know, practical ways, actions that, that you can tell people now to help activate those aspects of their, of their thinking? So I love um, for a practical, applicable, like everyday tool something that scares the crap out of a lot of people and it's called meditation. And um, when people hear that word, a lot of people go running for the hills as though their hair is on fire. And um, it's, it's so much more easy and accessible than many people think. Like if you're sitting at a stop sign and you take a moment and take a deep breath and allow your focus to go inward, like you were talking earlier, Lord, about, you know, listening to your own thoughts 
So if you go inward, even for a minute, and just notice that you're thinking and allow yourself to detach from it, not care about what the thought is or where it came from or where it's going, what it means, and just detach from it. You've just done a minute of kind of focused on focus, focus detachment, silence and um, meditation, like the be still and mindful level of your life is where a lot of your answers are. And the curiosity, you brought this up earlier, it's one of my favorite words that I teach a lot, the curiosity to go there and not worry about, am I doing it quote unquote right? Um, meditation is different for everyone, but to quiet, like to get accomplished at knowing, hmm, I need a moment of silence for myself to come back into myself before I tackle this problem. I need a moment of silence so I can focus my magnificence on this dynamic and get the best out of it for me. I need a few moments of silence because what just happened really rocked me and I'm off center and I don't make decisions and do things, take actions when I'm off center. That's a reaction. So I'm going to get still on my inner plane so that I can hear that still small voice giving me the right direction to go. So the first one is become accomplished at quieting yourself from the inside, whether that's take a class. I love um, the app on my phone that's called um, Insight Timer. There are some other ones, Calm and other ones, whatever you have to do to become more uh, practiced at giving yourself some spaciousness that comes from quieting your inner self, you should do it. So that's my number one. Number two is about um, uh, if you're elevating your vibration, uh, gratitude is next to unconditional love, the highest vibration on the planet. And so to go into gratitude, whenever you're, I used to, I have this quote, I say, um, when the tough, when the going gets tough, get going into gratitude. And so, <laughs> and I do gratitude rants. So I could be driving down the street and all of a sudden I just feel like, you know what? I think I'd like to do some gratitude and to be grateful for like everything from the breath that you're taking to the fact that your eyes can see the greenery changing to the fact that you have a car, regardless of whether it's a beater or a Benz, like I have a car and right now it's taking me where I need to go. And also to be grateful for the things that you don't really want. Like I lead an intention circle and I say often, I'm grateful for everything I have and everything I don't. And people ask me, why would you say that? And I said, because some of the things I don't have, I don't want. I don't want cancer. I don't want homelessness. I don't want um, an abusive partner. I don't want that you could just create a list of what you don't want. And I don't want to focus on those things. But I do say to the divine, I'm grateful that those things are not a part of my life. Um, so gratitude is a very powerful thing for shifting your vibration. And when you're in a high vibration, you attract other high vibration things. And I think the last one I would say is to become very practiced at um, forgiveness. Forgiveness, yeah. 
forgiveness is a very misunderstood uh, spiritual practice. And I think because it's gotten associated with the idea of forgive and forget, and people don't really understand how they can do that, especially for some of the very egregious, debilitating, horrible things that people can perpetuate on each other and the planet. Um, but so I'm going to keep it really brief. And I'm just talking about the forgiveness that allows me to say, okay, how can I see this from a different perspective and then open myself up to the possibilities that are inside the situation? And so I have a number of forgiveness practices that I have under the release section of my book. My favorite is the Ho'oponopono um, practice. Uh, oh, I, I love that. It's so simple. And I, I, I stumbled across it years ago. And, you know, it's it's ancient Hawaiian and, and about this this doctor that used it in a psych ward and just like the, the seeming miracles that happened because of it. And it's it's so calming and, and something, you know, to, to touch real quick on forgiveness is that unforgiveness is so heavy of a weight. And, and toxic, toxic right. it, in it, your it, physical it's a, body. It ends up ruining your your whole sensibility of life and your connection to other people. And, you know, I, I've thankfully I've gotten to the place where if there is hurt there, I try to get to that place of forgiveness as fast as possible. And even just saying like, I, I, you know, I don't want to be angry at this person. You know, I forgive this person, you know, even if I don't feel it in the moment of just verbalizing it to get that almost like it's like getting it out of me um, allows me to just move so much faster. And I've, I've seen how unforgiveness has, has ruined people's entire life. You know, things that they've been holding on since like 1987. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's just, it's, it's debilitating. And I understand how that can happen because I, you know, sometimes I can be telling a story about something in the past and all of a sudden this energy will take hold and I notice, but you have to notice, I notice I'm talking stronger and I'm, I'm like, almost like I've transported myself back to the original sin, so to speak. And right in that moment, I say, oh boy, that was pretty intense. I guess I still need to do some, some forgiveness work on this. And right. I, one of the ways that you can support yourself in forgiveness is again, go to gratitude. Like, how can I be thankful? I'm thankful that I caught myself really feeling anger again about the situation. I'm grateful for this opportunity that this situation is giving me to see where I could be more loving, where I could be more kind, where I could be more trustworthy, where I could, be, whatever it is. And so I agree with you hundred percent that we have to, but this is a part, you know, this goes back to what we said earlier, Lord, about understanding who we are and self-awareness. It's your self-awareness that gives you the opportunity to see where you're harboring unforgiveness that is killing you. And it's preventing you. Like, you know, a law of the universe is that like attracts like. There's no such thing as opposites attract. In the physical realm, quantumly, metaphysically, that's impossible. So the whole idea when people say, oh, opposites, we're so different and we're attracted to each other. It's like, yeah, you're, you're looking only at the surface. If you look below the surface, there may be something down there that you don't want to be attracting, but you're not aware of it because it's buried. And so this is what happens when we are in this toxic unforgiveness. And it's your self-awareness that helps you see, oh, man, that's still alive in me. I need to do some forgiveness work so I can quiet that 
upset because that upset, if it's alive in me, it's attracting to me things that vibrate at the same frequency. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, something that I, it came out of my own meditation, which, you know, for anybody listening, meditation really just means to purposely become familiar with. So it's, you know, taking that time to purposely become familiar with some aspect. And one of the things that came out of my meditation a few weeks ago is the things that we personalize, we magnetize. And, you know, it, you can, if you personalize the hurt and you personalize the frustration and you personalize, you know, somebody cutting you off in traffic, like you said, you know, you may not think about them, you know, consciously in your mind, but those things are still there. And those, those that aspect is going to attract more of that thing. And you can say to yourself, man, I don't like this. Why does it keep happening? And it's because like, like you said, it's just there and you haven't addressed it. You haven't released that situation. And even, you know, sometimes for, for me, and, and I think for a lot of people, you may not remember or, or know all the things that are there, but I think, you know, sometimes making it impersonal when you do forgive, I'm just saying, you know, I release the things that no longer serve me. I release those old hurts and those old ideas that may be buried within me and I go free. And, you know, practical self-talk like that is something that an author from the early, you know, 1900s, Florence Shovel Shin, is what she wrote about. And just being that practical with your words of that, you don't have to find every little tidbit and every person and every memory that, that hurt you or every moment that you were angry in your life. You can just release it as, as an idea of anger and hurt itself and choose to go free. And it's amazing how swift that can cause a, a really great reaction within yourself and, and a noticeable change within your own demeanor and how you carry yourself. And I, I love that you, you, you know, you touch on just the magnetization of what we do and what we say, because it is attracting and, and creating the world that you either want more of or the world that you don't want more of. But it all starts when we just choose to pay attention. And that's really the, I think the biggest superpower of all of us is the ability to pay attention and then make an adjustment. Yes. I have only a yes to add. Yes, yes, yes. Edward <laughs> Ray, Florence Govelshin is one of my favorite authors. And um, I uh, frequently give her books to uh, clients and students. She is a really practical um her and Catherine Ponder, two very practical voices with very high spiritual practices. Absolutely. Yeah, my mastermind group, Waymakers Global, we we did a um a three week, I think, three or four week study on on uh her book, Florence Shin, on her book, uh The Game of Life and How to Play It. Yes, and how to play it. Yep. And it's just it all of us like in, in the group were just so in awe of her wording and just the the simplicity yet powerful aspects of it. And I had written read that book, the audio book, um, like four or five times before I presented it to the group. And even you know, each time, you know, it just compounds the 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 effects of it because it reaches you at a different point of where you are. Yes. And um before we go, I want to reiterate the one of the things that you said earlier about when the student is ready, the teacher will appear and that teacher is within you. Yeah. And it really, it reminds me of 
that of Moby Dick, there's a part in the book where, you know, he's Ahab is saying inside all of us is this insular Tahiti where all things are known and understood. And, you know, getting to that place and that's, you know, reason 857,412, while I'm thankful that I broke my neck, is because it was in those first few years of that downtime and that quietness that I discovered that place mm. and realized that that place was always there, mm. obviously, because as soon as like the noise was quieted and, and even my own actions and everything was almost brought to a standstill, then it just seemed so obvious. And I, I gained so much peace and poise and power from that time because everything that came after that those moments after those those years actually of of isolation i was just so much more ready for even when they seemed overwhelming or very challenging where i was thinking i have no idea what to do next <laughs> but i i was carrying with me though that voice in that place that i could go to at any given time that was all mine and that was like my sacred place to create and to relax and to, to, you know, initiate things. And and now, you know, the things that we've learned and the things that I've learned over the years, I can present to my students and to my clients so that they can have breakthroughs so much faster. And I think, you know, like you touched on before, it's just about that of like, how can we take our own self-knowledge, make it practical for other people so that they can have self-knowledge and self-awareness a lot faster and really get the most out of their life. And, and one uh, last point for me is that, you know, I, I, I believe that all of us have these desires and these gifts embedded within us and getting to the place where we can awaken those and nurture those to really exacerbate them to their fullest capacity and then present them to the world and present them back to God as a tribute almost um, I think is is really a, a beautiful way to to look at your life story. Yes, yes, that's a beautiful place to end. I love it. Awesome. Well, I'm glad this this worked on the the fourth try. I think it was. Yes, it was. Uh, and you know that's that really speaks to you know life at a weird angle. That you know sometimes tricky is is the right way. And um, I've heard it said that God doesn't like one hit wonders. He likes to you know. You, you to do it over and over again. And, you know, sometimes it that's that's where you find success is, is when you choose to try and try and try again. And then it then it finally clicks. Yes, it's a matter of it's sort of the the commitment to your own self-actualization, your own ascension into what you came here to be, um, what you came here to experience. We didn't come here to experience quote unquote success. We came here to experience ourselves experiencing this realm and mm -hmm. to stay open in the spaciousness of, gee, I wonder what this is about, the curiosity and also the openness to receive, like receive the gifts in all the circumstances that our lives create for us. I love that. I love that. Experiencing ourselves experiencing this realm. Yes. That's amazing. All right. Well, Dr. Valerie, I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy France. I, I know they're, uh, the coffee and the baguettes and the the, the bread and the croissant are, are delicious. So I, I appreciate your time. 
Well, thank you so much. And I don't do the coffee, but I'm certainly having great time with the red wine and the um, croissant. Awesome. Awesome. Well, in, enjoy your day and um, enjoy the evening. Enjoy the weather and, and you know, the the French people. Yes, indeed. Many blessings to you, Lord. I'm really grateful to have had this opportunity with you and your guests. And I'm always, always wishing you the best. Awesome. I appreciate you. I will, uh, you know, make sure all the audio sounds fantastic. And in a couple of days, I'll send you the link when it's on Spotify and iTunes. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Blessings. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Day One Mindset. Are you confused on where to start? Well, here, beginners are welcome. Day One Mindset will guide you and provide you with detailed steps so you can start your journey to success. For more information, visit dayonemindset.com.